What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Unfounded Podcast. My name is Chris Turner. I am your host. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whenever this is reaching you. I hope it reaches you well. Uh, it is a Wednesday morning here in Denver, Colorado. I decided to try to try to pump one up this morning and see how it goes. Um, I've got a couple ideas floating around in the noggin, so you know, we'll see if we can get them out for you. I hope you enjoyed last episode. Uh, I just did that one yesterday, and uh, we'll see if we can do another one today. All right, so without further ado, let's roll right into the topic. And this morning, I want to talk about belief. I think it's a fitting topic, especially after uh, the way we ended yesterday's episode. So let's go and define it, right? It's a good one to start with the definition. Let's see, belief. So first definition we have, an, an acceptance that a statement is true or that something exists is belief in the value of hard work, for an example. The second definition, trust, faith, or confidence in someone or something all right. So what I find funny about these, um, there's two definitions here, <laughs> right? And they mean exactly the same thing. Essentially. So it's basically saying the same thing with, with different words. One says uses acceptance. One uses trust and faith or confidence, right? When something is believing in something bigger, one is saying you can believe in something too. So I guess they're a little different. Like one is asserting that you can believe in something outside of yourself. One is saying that you can believe in, and you can place that in either like an idea or you can place that in an actual thing or a person. Okay. So they're a little different. That's what they're differentiating. Okay. Um, but the interesting thing I find in belief is, is obviously there's this idea of, of, of faith that like is kind of a synonym, right? People think about faith when they think about belief. Um, and there's a reason for that because it is very similar. But I think um, belief uh, is more is a little bit of an acceptance there. I like that word acceptance uh, and trust because those are those are the two words I want to focus on trust and acceptance. Um, I believe <laughs> that it is impossible to not believe in something. And I kind of came to this idea listening to yesterday's podcast when I listened back to it. Just so you guys know, like I don't I don't listen to those before I post them. Like how this process works is I sit down, I do it like a, a word topic like I usually do, right? And then I go from there and I see where it goes. And I don't like I edit it, but I don't listen to it when I'm editing it. I put the music in the background and I submit it. You know, I don't, I don't want, I, I want to have the same experience you guys are having, right? So I can pull out the relevant information and, and, and see what, you know, what, what is useful and what isn't, right? And you should be doing the same, right? That's the whole purpose of this. But one of the things I found in that process yesterday when I was listening back to it after I'd posted the episode, um, <laughs> was that in describing kind of the different viewpoints of, you know, Eastern and Western religions and secularism itself, uh, I realize that like secularism in itself functions exactly like I've described science as a religion. It, it, it is a religion, you know, it's like, what do you believe in? A lot of the times you would say like secularism's religion is as an institution is science. You know, that's what forms the religion, the, the actual structure of the religion. So if you, if, if like somebody was saying, Hey, no, they don't believe in anything. Cause there's no, there's no established like grouping, right? There's no, there's no community. Well, yes, there is. It's the scientific community. <laughs> it's, it's almost the, that that is the religion. That's the church. Science is a church, right? Same thing, except it, it, instead of having like fancy stained glass windows and stuff like that and, and crosses and, you know, Buddhas and stuff, it's got, you know, 
microscopes and lab equipment. And these are the, these are the idols we, we worship, right? Um, <clears throat> so, and, and again, I'm not trying to t- tear down science. Like it, I'm not trying to tear down any of science's findings, right? They're all relevant. They're all like, I, I, I accept all of that, right? I'm not going to sit here and try to be like, it's all wrong. <laughs> but uh, I do think that the way that when you're entrenched in that viewpoint or in that perspective of the world, um, you view yourself as somebody that doesn't believe in anything that because you view, no, not belief. Actually, I'm going to take that word. You, you view yourself as somebody that is above faith because faith itself is viewed as something, uh, as, as a, um, mindless process, something about shutting off. That's the way I viewed it. That's one of the reasons why I was, uh, you know, kind of turned away from religion for a while. And because a lot of the people I engaged with uh, on the topic of religion that were in the church itself had zero clue about what the meaning of the things were when I was, you know, originally being, you know, uh, raised in the in the faith. Right. Like a lot of the, the, the members of the church didn't know or have good answers for the questions that I would I would raise as a kid. And so it brings up this idea like, well, faith is just blindness. Then you're just asking me to be blind. You're just asking me to follow, you know turn off my mind in a sense, my thinking and be a robot. But that's not the way um, it's supposed to work, right? That's not the reason for faith at all. It's not to control people. And that's probably the way, If especially if you're in that secular kind of viewpoint, you're probably viewing religion as a way to control people, right? A means to control people. And, and in, in, in viewing it through that lens, you're going to look back through history and see how much horrible things have come directly from the institution of religion itself in varied forms and kind of the, you know, the you can actually see a modern day version of that in very, very kind of certain parts of the world, right? You can see how religion, the institution of religion itself can become tyrannical and can control the thoughts and ideas of people to a point where they don't progress. I don't mean to attack anybody like that, right? I'm not going to call out any specific religions, right? I don't think that's needed. But at the same time, I do believe that there is a certain type of, um, there's a certain way that the religion itself can become tyrannical, can hold people back. And I think it's done that. The institution of religion itself has done that throughout history. It's what's caused us to turn away from it. But it's also why we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's not entirely true. It's not why the religion exists as a lot of people like to believe. You know, these religions don't exist for the purpose of controlling people. That's not why they were created. I think they exist because it is impossible to not believe in something. Because even when you attempt to eliminate belief, or if you want to say faith, (coughs) excuse me, itself, uh, what you end up doing is uh, creating another structure of belief without realizing it. It's impossible to eliminate it. Unless you somehow get to a point where you believe you are God. It's the only way to eliminate belief in something else. Trust, faith, confidence, anything outside yourself is is to confuse yourself with God. And that's usually when people will do the worst things. That's, I think, how you create Hitlers. Confuse yourself with God. Confuse yourself. Make you Make yourself think that you have all the answers. Or that you are able to glean all the answers yourself. You don't need anybody's help. You don't need any other perspectives. Go down that road for long enough, and that's how you create really bad people that do really horrible things because they don't feel tied or obligated to anybody else around them. They are God. 
and so they can choose how they want to shape this world especially if and and if those type of people because those people exist if those people get an ounce of power they use it and it hurts people i think this trait in people was recognized all throughout human history the strategy we developed and i don't even know if we developed consci- consciously i think this was an unconscious process but we developed we evolved a system of belief because it put a control on the people that were most prone to confuse themselves with God itself, with with the ultimate being. Because we all have the ability as human beings to view, like I was saying in the previous episode, we view, we know that we are finite. We know that we die. Because of that, we... Um, We've developed, uh, we've evolved this fear sense to identify things that are unknown. And because of that, um, it's, ca- it's caused us to, to, to think that we can um, identify, like we can fix that. You know, we can fix, you can fix the unknown. You can fix the fear. You know, we can, we can solve it all. You know, we can fill in all the gaps and it's, 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 it's a comfort, it's a comforting thing too, because science has enabled a lot of that as well. We have filled in a lot of the gaps, but it, it, um, it's also kind of a false sense of security. It allows yourself to believe that you are kind of, um, more independent than you realize. And I mean, I mean, independent in a spiritual sense, like in a deep way. Like, I'm not talking about economically independent. I'm saying, like, you aren't this separate thing from everybody else. You know, it's, it's, it really is a perspective problem we have. I mean, you can literally zoom out. It's one of the reasons why if you ever read accounts of, of you know, you know, the first walk on the moon or the first time somebody saw, you know, the earth from space. I don't know who that was. Actually, I should look that up. Uh, recount... Let me read this actually for you. Uh, seeing the Earth from space. I know it was like Buzz Aldrin or somebody that uh, profound things happen. This is from Business Insider when an astronaut see Earth from space for the first time. Um, so it says right here, kind of bullet points: seeing planet Earth from space can cause a shift in awareness, according uh, consciousness awareness. According to NASA astronauts, this state of mental clarity is known as the overview effect, in which the viewer becomes overwhelmed and awed by the size of the Earth. A video by creative organization, a video, excuse me, a video by creative organization Planetary Collective called Overview shows this effect through space footage and the words of Apollo astronauts. So you can kind of, t- you can try to get a little simulation of what it feels like to see the Earth from this perspective. But the perspective is what I want to focus on. That's why I brought it up. <clears throat> Seeing something from a different viewpoint literally changes how you see it, how you think about it. And if you've only ever viewed yourself from, you know, this, for lack of a better term, meat suit, you know, behind these two eyes, this like real kind of obscure place that you kind of think of yourself as sitting somewhere behind the eyes, but somewhere in front of the back of your head, you know, kind of in the middle of your head, that viewpoint can change. And one of the best, easiest ways to change that is to take your physically take that point and, and show it, like show the whole picture, which is like for us, the whole picture is the world, literally the entire world. 
If you can show the entire world in one snapshot, which is what these, these people get when they're looking back, you realize you are that. That's not something different from you. That is you. In that context, what's different from you is the moon and the sun and the asteroid floating by. But that, that thing's you. That blue dot is you. It's all you've ever been, all you've ever done, all you've ever thought, all you've ever spoken, all anybody has ever spoken has happened on that little pale blue dot, to quote Carl Sagan. I'm paraphrase. That was an exact quote, but <laughs> you get the point. This perspective change is something that I think is useful. It's one of the things I'm trying to kind of do in this podcast is, is be that perspective shift for people out there, because I know it's hard to have that happen. And I, I was looking, for, I was looking for that perspective shift for a long time because I felt empty. You know, I felt like I was going about the world and I held, like I said, I held this secular worldview. I held this view that, you know, I'm basically agnostic, that there's something bigger than us, but I have no idea what it is. And I don't have any ability to glean any information more because I, I trusted too much, I think, in the scientific method, the, the, the way of observing the world and pulling information out of it only that way. Not realizing that there is other ways of collecting data, information, literal information. You can collect literal information on an individual level in many different ways from the universe itself but you have to know those processes religions talk about how to do that philosophy gets into it at some points as well but you have to know what those perspectives look like what it looks like to think in that perspective in that way so that you can actually apply it in your life because if you don't you're left with nothing but the tools that science gives you and that'll make you think that there's no value in these other things and there is and the reason I brought it up is because that itself is what will become your religion. The scientific method will become something you believe in. Go ask any scientist. They'll say they believe in the scientific method. They trust in the scientific method. Or at the very least, it's the only thing they can rely on. But it's funny. It's, it's like... How would you ever know it's not, it's failing you? How would you ever know the scientific method isn't giving you good information? Because you don't have a, bit, a way, an outside perspective to know. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have no ability to know whether you're actually gaining total insight or you're gaining just the little pieces like I think you are. I don't know for a fact. You may be gaining all totally. I may be loony. You know what I mean? But... I've shared that perspective. I've been in that perspective. So I think I understand it. And I, 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 I don't think it's the whole thing. And I think it's part of the reason why it's it, part of the reason why it's going astray is because people don't realize they've turned it into religion. It, it is a religion. You can't escape the idea of religion. You can't escape the idea of belief or faith. You can try to try to trade it into something else, right? Even if you want to like do your best to like pull back from even the secular worldview and be like, I'm just independent thing, whatever that is, you're going to start believing in you. And you're going to make yourself into a monster like a Hitler. You'll think you're God. You have to believe in something besides yourself. It's one of the reasons why, and I don't mean to like call him out because he's been dead for hundreds of years, right? But like Nietzsche is one of the reasons why he's kind of hard to listen to is because 
I think at least one of the reasons he's so valuable is Nietzsche. And, and I, and, and he didn't like, I've, I, I have not engaged with all of his work. I've engaged with a small portion of it. Right. So I don't have a total understanding of the man. He's one of the most brilliant. He is, I think the most brilliant thinker that we've ever had humanity's humanity's existence. But there's something that's intimidating about listening to his work because he believes in him, his ability, like at a deep level. And it comes through, sorry for my dog shaking, but it comes through with this audacity. When he talks, he asserts things. And, it, and, and, and that assertiveness that you hear in Nietzsche, uncontrolled, thank God he was a person that had the ability to control those thoughts and reel himself in and recognize when the monster was growing and stop it. Because that's exactly the kind of thing that will lead to the Hitler's. Right. If you believe too heartily in yourself, you hear this ego thing coming out and this belief that you are the thing that can solve all things, solve all problems. That is what leads to hell. That is what makes you a monster akin to the to Satan or himself. Right. Or the demon or whatever you want to what the evil thing, whatever you want to think about. Like that's how you make them. Right. It's that's how it's that's how that process starts. There's audacity built into it you know, built into the character of the evil one. And so you have to, I think this is partially why we're getting detached from each other too in the world. Um, why things feel cold and, and lifeless, the interactions themselves, especially you, it's not so much in like smaller towns, you know, you can go out in smaller towns still and still find genuine interaction. But I think it's, especially if you go into any of the major cities, uh, you just walk around, man, it's you've always it's always been this way in like really really populated areas like you know New York or Tokyo or something like that where it's 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 kind of this problem where you move fast it's actually been studied you move faster people that live in in metro areas move faster literally you know they do they they move at a quicker pace their whole day right and it's it's like this it's like the whole world's doing that it's like we we're 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 commodifying everything and we're every, running everything through an efficiency, efficiency equation, including the way we interact with each other <clears throat> and the way that we talk to each other. And because of that, we've realized that talking with people is painful and uh, a difficult process. So we've eliminated that because it's not very efficient. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so we'll just go online and we'll tweet about it or we'll do something like that. It's much more efficient. I can get my point across and I don't have to waste time listening to your opinion either. Right? It's this idea that we can like Sorry, let me let her get through with that. You done there, babe? Thank you. All right, sorry. It's this idea that we can, like, we can control everything. We can grab the steering wheel. We can turn this thing into the perfect world, right? The dangerous part about about um, the secular worldview is it can lead to this idea that you can make the perfect place. And, and I think you can see this. Uh, a good example of this is the if you if you have engaged with any kind of um, like if you've engaged with the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx, uh, if you understand those ideas, um, what they talk about this idea of, of uh, uh, not he doesn't refer to it as paradise he calls it uh, um, now what's the word? Damn it, I'm not going to remember right now. But it's this idea of, of reaching equilibrium or the perfection, right? Where everything has its place. Everything everything is equal in a sense. And there is no kind of uh, suffering in the world. You have to be careful with those kind of ideas. Because that's also uh, a way to create unbelievable amount of suffering. Try to eliminate it. Isn't that funny? One of the one of the ways you can make more suffering than we have ever record, had in recorded history is to try to eliminate it. 
That's how you will literally kill more people than ever. Torture more people than ever is to try to eliminate suffering. Isn't that funny? What was Hitler doing? He was trying to make the perfect world, the perfect race, his conception. I'm not condoning it in any way, right? But his conception of the perfect world. He thought you eliminate Jews, oh, boom, everything's peace, happy, and peace, you know, everything's perfect then, right? Or you live, you eliminate all these different groups, then everybody can can coalesce because we can create a community, right? And, and it's, everything's gonna be perfect then. Hitler was trying to institute paradise. He was just doing it through different method. Not even a different method, he was just doing it with a different style, like a stylistic choice. Stalin did it in a different way. You know, it's, it's, it's this, it's, it's beware of anybody that's trying to sell you that idea. Be very weary of that. I know I've kind of jumped off, off on a tangent there, um, because what I'm referring to right now, and this is another thing I'm going to name it directly because I think it's important. Uh, I'm referring to the far left right now in our American politics, because I have been a member of that before as well. I've participated in it, right? I've been indoctrinated into those those ways of thinking. And I'm telling you right now, there is something very dangerous brewing on the extreme left. And it is this idea of paradise. You can see it if you watch the news. You can see it if you read articles. This idea that we can institute the perfect way for human beings to interact, think, talk, eat, everything. We can define the things that are righteous and the things that are evil. We can define the thing and we can control them. We're going to control this human experience and eliminate suffering itself. We're going to eliminate the, you know, it's, and that's how we've gotten to this craziness of like, you know, <laughs> um, punishing people for insulting someone. How in the world could you ever know if what you're going to say is going to offend the feelings, the internal things of somebody else? You can insinuate and you can use your, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm generalizing, right? You can use common sense. I'm not saying that common sense doesn't exist, right? But there's this idea that people know before they say what they say that they're going to hurt somebody. And I don't think that's true. Not as true as we like to believe. I think that may be the case in some instances, but those are like bad actors, those kind of people, the people that are really trying to hurt. I, and those are few and far between, man. Like think about how many times you've ran into a person that like you get this sense from them, this sadistic sense that they actually want you to suffer and they're going to do something to make you suffer. Those are the type of people that are going to do that. How many times have you ran into somebody like that? I would hope not very often, <laughs> right? We got to be really careful. Because one of the things that attaches to the extreme left too is this idea of secularism, this secular worldview. We don't need religion. We don't need morality. We don't need to tie ourselves to any of these old ideas. We can move on. We can move forward. You need to be careful. You're throwing the baby out with the bathwater and you're going to cause a lot of pain and suffering if you try to institute paradise doing that. <laughs> and and, and, and you, it's like we have to be honest because what are we trying to do here, right? Are we trying to come to some sense of kind of common ground politically, you know? I know I've moved into the political realm. I didn't mean to, but let's go with it. You know, are we going to come to some kind of common ground here? You know, are Republicans and Democrats going to kind of figure their shit out? Or are we going to keep pushing, keep blaming the other? Are we going to keep, you know, kind of um, <clears throat> playing this ego game and saying that, you know, we're right and they're wrong? Are we going to confuse ourselves with gods? Are we going to view and look into the world and say, no, it's wrong. Let's fix it. Instead of looking internally and saying, no, let's fix ourselves. Which is the best bet? You tell me. It's pretty obvious. Right? 
ask yourself that question. That's pretty simple. What are you trying to change? If, if the answer is the world, you better start thinking of something else because you're, you're not going to. I don't mean that to, to discourage somebody or take anybody's dream away, right? But you're not going to. At the very least, it, if you are going to, you're not going to do it thinking that way. You are not going to change the world by thinking you're going to change the world. That's not how it's done. You change the world by fixing yourself and then becoming the thing that is, has, has the capability of affecting other things. The only way you can affect something outside yourself is to have control of yourself. If you don't have control of yourself, how can you change the world? You realize how stupid that idea is? Trying to change the world before you can change yourself? I'm bringing this up because this is what I was doing. I was running around when I was associated with the political left trying to do that. Please don't try to tell me this isn't what's happening on the left because I was in it. I saw it. I was indoctrinated into these things. I don't mean to be aggressive, guys. I, I don't mean to make it overly political, but I, I, I've been holding off on, on touching on this t subject too much for that reason. I think it's important that I talk about it right now, though, because like I said, it's tying together in a nice way. Don't, you know, like to kind of bring it back to what we started with, don't trick yourself into thinking you're not believing in something. Or don't trick yourself, even more so, don't trick yourself into thinking because you aren't associated with a religion, you don't have blind faith. <laughs> I ask you, what's your political affiliation? I'll find you plenty of blind faith. Just give me a second. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's just talk for a second. We'll find where you're blind. Because there's a bunch of places where you're blind. There's a bunch of times that somebody's told you something you haven't prodded. Why? And you've just taken it in. It makes sense with your, your conception you already have and you just placed it there. Yep. Let's glue that part together. That'll work. I've done it too. I'm not saying, I'm not sitting here trying to say I'm any different. I'm calling you out because I'm calling myself out. Make sense? You do believe in something. You are placing blind faith in something. It's just not a guy floating in the sky. I'm not saying you need to go pick up religion. I would suggest it, but I'm not saying you have to. The one thing I, I think you should do, though, everybody, and this, this goes for the right as well. This, this, this process happens on the right just as much as it happens in the left. It's a really weird thing that happens. That's why I brought up Hitler and Stalin. <laughs> right? Hitler is, is usually thought of like as a very far right figure politically, whereas Stalin is thought of as, a, as, as kind of an extreme left figure. Their effect in the world was exactly the same. And the way they acted actually was almost like, exactly the same. The way they ruled and controlled people. You're, you're going to make the same thing. You're going to make the same monster. It doesn't matter what the like details are. You can be on the left politically or the right politically, but if you get a little too audacious, you believe too much in yourself and you believe that you've solved the problem and then you go try to force that onto the world, you're going to make hell and you're probably going to cause a lot of suffering, actual literal death if you try to implement it forcefully. <laughs> That's what you'll do. For any of our political activists out there right now, that's what you'll do. If you think that it's time to like get more extreme, that's how we solve this problem, you're proving exactly what I'm saying. Oh, we just got to respond more extreme. The other side is getting more extreme. Let's get more extreme. What are you doing? You're creating chaos in the world. You're creating more suffering in the world. And eventually people are going to die because of that. You're going to create, eventually it'll lead to a war. That's how it happens, folks. <laughs> That's how it happens entirely.
time we realize that, yeah, belief is intrinsic to life itself. You don't get to choose whether you have faith <laughs> because you don't know everything. If you choose to not have faith, you will make yourself a monster. You have to put yourself, it's, you have to put yourself outside of yourself. It's one of the ways you start to realize the ego game you're playing. You have to have a different perspective. That's why I brought up the astronaut thing, you know, looking from the glove from a different, a different, literal different place. The only way you do that internally, if you think of yourself internally, right? If you think of yourself like, hey, your whole life, you've associated yourself with this ego thing, except your, you know, the, the idea of yourself, the idea of who you are right now, that thing, you you right now associating yourself with that thing. How could you ever view it as separate from you? If you could accept the idea that you could be something else, right? How could you ever see that you're not that thing if you're viewing yourself from within it? Like if to use the, the world, how could you ever view the world as round viewing it from the ground? Right? You could use science and mathematics and glean this information and all that kind of stuff, but it's besides the point, right? Because that itself is a different perspective. So yeah, you used a different perspective <laughs> you, and you found, you gleaned more insight. You can do the same thing the other way, right? You do that same thing with religious thought and philosophical thought. We just don't do that part of the problem but if you start to pull away this is this is more of the philosophical idea if you can if you can place yourself and the, the the method of doing that so engaging this thought or starting this way of this perspective is to place you what you are to place some trust outside of yourself maybe i don't know maybe i don't know everything Maybe some of the, maybe maybe what 99.9 percent .9 of everybody that's ever lived in human history Maybe like the idea that they believe in something, maybe that's intrinsic to human life, period. Huh. Surprise, right? You start to realize it's logical. Oh, it's logical to trust in something else. Oh, it makes sense to have faith in something bigger than myself. It's actually the better option if I think about it logically. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then once you do that, it literally pulls. It, it, that is what places you in a different place internally. It like moves your perception outside of the ego by doing that. You place faith or trust in something else. It pulls the real you out of that ego. Or it actually pulls that ego out of you, off of you. It like takes it off. It takes the covering off. It's like the ego is like melted onto the real you. It's like covering everything, right? It's like imagine yourself as like tarred and feathered by the ego, right? You're standing in this big black space, emptiness, like the like the uh, what's the what's that what's that Netflix show? Um, anyway, anyway, the, it's like you're in the underground, right? You're in this this black place, nothing no, nothing around you, and you're tarred and feathered, right? This is like the mind, right? This is you inside the mind, I'm trying to like create a picture for you. And the ego is that tar and feathering. It's the covering. It's the false things that are like making up what your image of yourself. In order to see that you, there's something underneath that, like that you're not that thing, it, those feathers have to be removed. You have to view that like feathered costume separate from your body, like you, you know, like the mental image, like not the mental image, the uh, mental, the mental you, the thoughts you. Like there's a you, that, you that's associated with nothing but thought. Only the thought. 
The unadulterated thoughts that appear in your brain, that is you. And so you have to remove this. It's like you have to place faith in something else. That process, once you do that, it removes the tar and feathering. It makes that, it shows you it's a costume. You can now view the costume. And a lot of times, like, the costume wants to come back on, right? It's, it's hard to keep it off. It wants to, like, continually, you want to be clothed, right? You don't want to be naked, in a sense. That's how you feel when you first do this. You feel naked. You feel like something's, I'm. Mean, what is this? Like, and you want to put it back on. You know, you want to put that, like, ego tar and feathering back on. You want to put that cloak on, essentially. But if you place faith in something else, you can you can pull yourself out of it continuously. And the way you do that is by engaging with that internal voice that I'm talking about, the thing that's really you. It doesn't show up until you place faith in something else. <laughs> it doesn't show up. I've talked about it in terms of like actual, like you can, you, it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be, you know, the idea of like just God itself. It can be a belief in like any idea period you have. That passion, like I said, if you follow the love and the passion in your life, you'll, it'll lead you to whatever whatever idea you are meant to you know, engage with, right? That you were meant to have, whatever revelation you were meant to have. But you know, you have to you have to place faith in that thing, in the idea, because you don't know what the roadmap's gonna look like getting there. And the only way you're gonna be able to get there is to trust that you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? I hope I'm not getting on getting too deep or too much of a tangent. I hope this is a uh, good for you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I'm getting pretty close to time there. I wasn't planning on doing one today, but hey, you know what? Like it felt like a good time to talk about some of this stuff. Uh, and I didn't mean to take it politically, but I hope that was useful. Again, um, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I want to point out to all of you listening that like if you think you don't believe in something, you're wrong. Yes, you do, and it, it may not be like the secular worldview probably is if you don't believe in a religion it probably is that or science or something else attached to that (laughs) you know what i mean but figure out what it is man because you might figure out that like whatever you actually believe in like you're you're you're, whatever you're hiding yourself like where you placed your faith and you hid from yourself like that might be a waste of time you might be wasting energy in that you know what i mean like you could you could you could actually engage with some of these other ideas and discover something about yourself you know Anyway, I will leave it there. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, If you have any uh, comments, questions, or concerns, please visit my uh, Facebook page at The Unfounded Podcast. Uh, Same for Twitter and for Instagram. Uh, And I, who knows, maybe I'll have another one out here for you tomorrow. We'll we'll see if anything comes comes to mind, right? Um, But thank you for listening, guys, and I will talk to you soon. Thanks.